Hi, my name is Mike Duchenne, host of SUSA, the place for common sense. Today is Thursday, January 28, 2021. Some of you come to know me as the guy you hate to watch, but who tells you the truth anyway. The individual that will explain to you what is going on, especially in social political issues, in ways that you can understand, but also in a very objective way. Both Democrats and Republicans, depending on which topic is in discussion, may not necessarily like what I have to say, because we do not belong to any political party. You see, this program was created two years ago with one single objective, to perfect the union. But to do so, we have to remove the biggest obstacle, which is ignorance. So today we have a very special program. We're going to show you something that most of us don't pay attention to. We watch the news, we listen to the news, we clutter in our own little bubble and we share ideas, we echo, repeat them, and we feel good about ourselves. Some of us, we live our lives, take care of our families, and make sure that children have uh, gone to school, they, have, uh, they are taken care of. But beyond that, we don't care much about politics, we don't care much about all the hopeless in Washington. In fact, some of us don't even think whatever is happening in Washington matters, especially those of us who are not directly impacted by what's going on. We think it's politics. It's just, you know, people cheap jobbing. Democrat versus Republican, that's always the same thing. It's tiring, in fact, to some of us. And that's the reason a number of us have just tune it off. And uh, those who are interested, those who are involved, they take it to the extreme. Democrats uh, tell you exactly what Republicans are doing that wrong. Republicans telling you Democrats are evil. And it goes on and on. But today we are going to take a look at something that you should pay very close attention to. Whether you are a parent or you are a young individual who may have a family in just a, a few short years, or even if you are someone who is just 16 years old, about to graduate high school, or you're in college, you want to pay attention to this program. Because your future, your children's future, your grandchildren's future will depend a great deal on what you do. Welcome to Sousa. Glad you can make it. I am MD. 
This program is dedicated exclusively for those with common sense, a spirit of patriotism, and a determination for a more perfect union. Stay tuned as we begin the discussion of a very important, interesting, and enlightening topic. Hope to hear from you soon. Happy listening. After reading several books based on presidents and on Obama specifically, I found that they're typically partisan. The Obama legacy targets the heart of the issue by giving credit to the president where it's due, but definitely coming down hard on Obama on his bigger failures, like his handling of the Syrian crisis. If you are in college, going to college, you are an educator, a faculty member, or someone with interest in government or politics. The Obama Legacy is definitely a book to read. My professor recommended The Obama Legacy. A friend actually recommended The Obama Legacy. I would highly recommend this book for anyone, whether for academic use or leisure reading. I would recommend this book to anyone out there searching for an impartial and unbiased look into Barack Obama's tenure as president. I would definitely recommend this book as a good read for both liberals and conservatives. Once again, welcome to SLUSA, the place for common sense. My name is Mike Duchenne. As I mentioned earlier, we will be talking shortly about a very important topic, and it's a topic that you really don't want to miss. I would strongly encourage you, call a friend, a neighbor, an acquaintance, a family member, because we're going to talk about something that will impact your lives something that will help you understand exactly what just happened. As I started saying earlier, that most of us, we live our lives and we don't pay attention to the detail of uh, the conversation. What happened in Washington, the conversation between the Democrats and Republicans, we shrug those things off as, well, just, you know, Great luck in Washington. Democrats fighting Republicans. That's always the same case. Since you were born, your parents, your grandparents tell you that that's the way it has always been. In fact, for 250 years, if you read the history or you pay attention to the story, the history of the country, you know that's always been the case. The framers of the Constitution intended it that way. different political party to debate. Yes, we all have the same uh, uh, goal, the same objective. We want to improve the country. We want to make the country better. Every administration, Democrat or Republican, the president of which every year gives a State of the Union address in which they tell you about the state of the Constitution, the state of affair, of the Union, rather. And some of uh, what we heard from those people are usually 
verbiage that they repeat over and over and over, even when things are bad, extremely bad. In fact, the past four years, we got the exact same verbiage that the state of the union is strong. Was it? So it's a repetition of things that we come to accept as, well, that's what everybody says, so everybody says it. But today I'm going to discuss with you an aspect of what had happened in the past four years, but more specifically, at the end of the previous administration, and that's the reason I want you to pay close attention, very close attention, because while you may not necessarily pay close attention to what's going on in terms of politics, the decision that those people in Washington make, whether it's Democrat or Republicans, those decisions will impact you, your lives, your children, your grandchildren, future generations. According to STAT, the number of people who participate on a regular basis in election, as even presidential election, is pretty low. In fact, the highest we have gotten to have number of people, or at least the percentage of people, participate in any election since the existence, well, since we've been keeping tab, never reached 65%, never. In other words, a sizable group of people living in the United States of America never even bother to, to participate in the election. And yet, everything that happened in the country, everything that politicians do, impact our lives, our children's lives, our grandchildren's lives, and future generations. In fact, we are living the aftermath of something that happened in this country in 1865, a civil war that was due to nothing other than decision that elected official took. So as you can see, those decisions that are being made in Washington, they're not being made in an, in, in an isolated uh, venue. Because when those decisions are made, we, the people, we pay a price. Whether we involve or not, whether we participate or not, whether we care or not, we will pay a price. Now, that price could be good if those decisions are good for the people. But more often than not, politicians do not care to make decisions that benefit the people. As such, it is more likely that the decision that will be made will impact us in a very negative manner. So for that reason alone, we all, we the people, we all should pay attention to, and even more importantly, participate in election in order for us to make decisions about our own future. Because when you don't participate in an election, you're not giving up. You are giving up your rights. You're not throwing the towel. 
you're giving up the, your rights. Your rights to make decisions about who your leader is supposed to be because you leave it to others. So one of the topics that before we move to talk about the most important topic of the day, we'll give you a quick update on what is really making news, which we already know, as you can see on the board, the coronavirus continue to march on, people continue to die, and the predictions are grim. The latest interview given by Dr. Anthony Fauci, who has been pretty much a spokesperson in terms of uh, the spread of the coronavirus in the United States, we might add another 120,000 casualties to the list of those who have lost their lives by February 20th. Those are models, of course, the numbers may change. They change uh, just slightly uh, less or just slightly more. But since Dr. Anthony Fauci has been providing information about those type of issues relating to the pandemic, so far, those numbers have been pretty close. So there is no reason to doubt that the model that he's been using to provide us information about how the pandemic has been ravaging the United States of America, there is no reason to doubt him. We already discussed at length the reason we are in the predicament we are in today. We're not going to try to rehash that, but we'll give you a quick update of where we're at. But before we go forward and do that, let's take a quick look at what's going on with the weather across the nation. Lexington, Kentucky, you are known for horses. Not so much snow, but exactly we know you get you your share, oh, right? You got a couple of inches of snow on Wednesday. Here's some video to prove it. And uh, not much more on the way for you in bluegrass country. Let's talk about some snowfall that has already occurred as we head into this Thursday morning. I mean, this storm started in Kansas on uh, late Tuesday night, went through Indiana and Missouri, Illinois, Kentucky, and eventually West Virginia. And it's still going into North Carolina and Virginia as we speak. Avoca, Indiana, that's south of Indianapolis. That was the high mark so far for snow at four and a half inches. And Princeton, West Virginia, you may end up with more than two and a half inches because it's still snowing in those areas. Let's watch future radar as we take you into Thursday morning around daybreak. There may be some school and business delays here because you may have some slick spots on the roads with a little bit of wet snow to start your day. Even on the coast there of Virginia and North Carolina, you could have a little bit of shoveling to do. Probably not much, uh, but uh, anything is, uh, is going to be giving you problems in places that don't usually get snow, right? As we head into Thursday afternoon, watch out along the eastern New England coastline here especially on the Cape and the islands. You know, there's a pesky front out here which doesn't seem to want to move all day Thursday and even into Friday. If you're anywhere from, say, Providence to Boston, Portland up to Bangor, in those areas, uh, we're going to have periods of passing snow showers really for the next 48 hours. Let's go south again, though, because southern snow usually makes headlines, right? Places like Raleigh, North Carolina, New Bern, you may pick up a coating to an inch of snow. 
into Thursday morning. But once again, once the sun comes up, that snow will be winding down as it makes its way out to sea. And by the time the sun comes up, you will have seen about three to six inches of snow in some of those uh, mountainous areas of the central and southern Appalachians. So here's a look at the snow as we take you into this early Thursday morning here. We do have rain in Virginia Beach, but that uh, snow line's getting a little bit closer. Salem, you've got some snow going on in uh, uh, western parts of Virginia. West Virginia, you've got some snow flying. It's south of Pittsburgh. Uh, so these uh, snow showers are going to be making their way east through the night. So we do have a winter weather advisory for places like Virginia Beach down to Elizabeth City and New Bern. And those winter weather advisories stretch west. And those are issued when you're going to have slippery roads. So just be careful out the door on Thursday, especially as you get closer to the mountains there where they're going to see a little bit more in the way of snow. So here's the snowfall forecast through Thursday morning. Uh, places like uh, Norfolk, Virginia and Raleigh, North Carolina, a coating to an inch. Uh, the same story goes for you in, say, Virginia Beach, where you may see a coating of snow there as well. Lexington, Kentucky, you've already seen your one to three inches and no, not expecting any more additional snow for you. Noticeably colder, though, in the southeast on your Thursday. This often happens. You get some snow, then you get some cold air behind it in the middle of winter here. So this storm moves out to sea. You see the low right there into Thursday, and a cold air fills in behind it. How cold is it going to be? Well, you can handle this in Atlanta, 47, 57 in Jacksonville. Nashville, you are chilly with a high of only 40. And Raleigh, North Carolina, you'll top out at 42 after seeing perhaps a little bit of light snow in the morning. I want to bring you out now to Cisco, California. There's a big storm hitting California right now, and you don't see this every day. I'm not sure if that's Ponch or John driving that vehicle there, but this is the California Highway Patrol helping a pickup truck that is pulling a camper. Go down I-80. This is west of Donner Pass, and uh, that is, t I'm telling you, I would not want to be driving in that. I know a lot of these roads, I can't even believe that road's open to tell you. contested presidential election is over, but the challenges that lie ahead for this new administration are many and very difficult. Yes, we voted out the destructor of our norms, but our job is not done. The Biden administration will face a very corrupt and uncooperative Republican Party in both the House and the Senate. In 2009, in the midst of a devastating recession with unemployment rising, bankruptcy multiplying, the economy cratering, Mitch McConnell opposed everything Obama tried to do to remedy the situation. It is naive to think it will be different this time. The country simply cannot rely on Republicans. So let's not. Join us live every Saturday at 11 a.m. to bring forth ideas to combat those challenges. Together, we can help rebuild America with Joe. See you soon. Once again, welcome to Sousa, the place for common sense. My name is Mike Duchenne. If you join us for the first time, well, I am the guy who usually gets on some people's nerves. 
because they hate hearing what I have to say, but they cannot deny the fact that what I say here not only comes true, but you always make sense, always ahead of the curve. For those of you who don't know, well, I have been talking a great deal about, before the election, about the election. I talk a great deal about the Republicans. I talk a great deal about their policies, their agenda, and in fact, I have acquired the nickname Dem Liberal from those who have watched this program. As I mentioned at the top of the program, we do not belong to any political party. But the thing that we talk about, which impact your lives, whether it's today or impact your children's life in the future or future generation, we talk about them, we explain them, and we show you why we believe that a particular legislation or a particular policy will not necessarily benefit you, even though the politician will tell you, yes, this is for your good, such was the case, for instance, under the previous administration of the quote-unquote tax cut. We explain it to you in great detail why that tax cut was never going to be beneficial to you. So we don't just say things for the sake of saying it, but we try to explain to you those policies, those legislation that usually politicians just give you, you know, the sugar-coating aspect of what they're doing and hoping and expecting that you would not understand what they're saying and you would go along with it. Such was the case with the tax cut. You may recall, for instance, since the beginning of the coronavirus, that the previous administration was sugarcoating everything for you, telling you it's a hoax by the other side, telling you it's not that bad, telling you they have full control of what was going on. But as it should be, or will be pretty obvious to you, that that was never the case. In fact, in January 7, 2020, the previous administration received notification from the World Health Organization about a pandemic that will be ravaging the world, that will be spreading across the world. Many countries made provision. Many countries tried to put in place team of experts, health experts, in order to contain or at least to attend to the spread of the virus. Unfortunately, here in the United States of America, we did not have any leader to do, the, to do that. In fact, if you watched this program before, you may recall that we play the tape over and over and over for you during which time on March 5th, the previous uh, occupant of the Oval Office was telling you, it's a hoax by the Democrats. At that time, there were just five people in the United States of America who had lost their lives. Five. At that time. So at a rally, with people behind him, cheering, say, it's a hoax by the Democrats. Five people. The number of people who have lost their lives today is 428,000 people. And as I mentioned earlier, according to uh, 
Dr. Anthony Fauci, we should brace ourselves for another 100,000 casualties. As we mentioned time and again, that needed not be. The reason is very simple, is because we weren't taken by surprise. We were not notified. A lot of countries around the world with leaders who care about their people took step to contain the virus. But here in the United States of America, the individual who is responsible for the country ignore it, shrug it off, and even had allies, people who know that those things weren't things for them to joke about, but they did. So as such, now the country is paying a price. The United States of America is only 4% of the world population, 4, but represent more than 20% of the number of cases and number of casualties in the world. And we have resources, many more resources than all those, those countries. What were lacking, was lacking in the country is a leader. Fortunately, we have that now, but the damage has already been done. Now, the Biden administration is trying to contain the spread of the virus. It's trying to contain, or at the very least, minimize the number of casualties. It's a pretty difficult job because the Biden administration walked into a, a system that had nothing in place for it. The country is a democratic country, and for 250 years, the way that things have worked is the previous administration will transfer power to the incoming administration and providing a base for the new administration to work. But this time, for the first time in the history of the United States of America, that did not happen. So the current administration walked into a predicament where they had to start everything from scratch. There was no document left. There was no data. There was absolutely nothing. As a matter of fact, if you recall, we talked about the fact that the previous administration were, was destroying data so that people would not know how bad things were. So that is not, no matter which way you look at it, that is definitely not a predicament any country would want to be in, whether, in fact, even country under dictatorship such as China, the leader did take step in order to protect the people of China. Even in a dictatorship. How does one make sense of the noise? Talking points, sound bites, bickering of self-serving politicians, constituent too full of hatred to unite, 
hypocrisy, lies, deception running rampant in Washington? Is it all politics? Join me every day at 11 a.m. on Sousa for discussions on social political issues which might impact your lives and those of future generations. See you soon. After reading several books based on presidents and on Obama specifically, I found that they're typically partisan. The Obama legacy targets the heart of the issue by giving credit to the president where it's due, but definitely coming down hard on Obama on his bigger failures, like his handling of the Syrian crisis. If you are in college, going to college, you are an educator, a faculty member, or someone with interest in government or politics, the Obama Legacy is definitely a book to read. My professor recommended The Obama Legacy. A friend actually recommended The Obama Legacy. I would highly recommend this book for anyone, whether for academic use or leisure reading. I would recommend this book to anyone out there searching for an impartial and unbiased look into Barack Obama's tenure as president. I would definitely recommend this book as a good read for both liberals and conservatives. Once again, welcome to Slusa, the place for common sense. My name is Mike Duchenne. As I promised you earlier, we are going to talk about a very important topic. A topic of such importance that it, it would baffle the mind as to how in the world, right here in the United States of America, we have come so far and have fallen so low that the United States of America could can no longer portray itself as a system of democracy or try to convince other countries in the world to adopt the principles of freedom and democracy. Which is a shame because for several decades, the United States of America has waged wars across the world. We have expanded our soldiers' lives and we have spent great amount of money, taxpayers' money, with one single objective to bring freedom to other countries to provide other people the opportunity to choose their leaders here in the United States we have taken that for granted so much so that many of us decide to simply do nothing about it as I just mentioned earlier 30 plus percent of the people living in the United States of America never care to vote. They always rely on others to cast a, a ballot and make decision. 
but they stay away, they stay out. In fact, we were surprised to hear last election, just the past election, celebrity Shaquille O'Neal said that was the first time he was going to the poll to vote. So when we talk about people who do not participate in the election process, we're not just talking about people who just because they don't know there is an election or they cannot vote or they're not eligible to vote. They just decide, you know, I don't care. It's not important. Or they simply find themselves too busy to participate in what one should consider the most important aspect of life. You see, the freedom that we have here is not an inheritance. Freedom is acquired through fight, sometimes blood. We value that so much that we even come across as noble people because we tell other countries that we're willing to sacrifice our soldiers' lives in order to bring them what we have here because we think it's so important for people to be free. We think it's so necessary for people to be able to make up their own mind to elect their own leaders that we expand our soldiers' lives. We say, we're going to help you get rid of the dictators. We're going to help you get rid of the authoritarian so that you can make your own choice. Now, if we judge by, just by what I just said, you would say the American people, really, they very good people. They spend money. They even lend their armed uh, service personnel to help other countries reach, achieve what they have. So they don't just have freedom and say to hell with everybody else, but they help others. That's how much we say we value freedom. That's how much we say we would like other people to have what we have. You're reading at the bottom of the screen, special program, U.S. came close to become a dictatorship. Of course, many people, whenever that topic is brought forth, they always shrug it off. No, that can ever happen to the United States of America. So anybody that says that would be considered not. Everybody that says that the U.S. came close to become a dictatorship, that person really must be smoking something. Now, before I show you how close we came to losing the freedom that we have to become a dictatorship, let me explain to you 
what that means if that were to happen and why it's important for you to start paying attention from now on because what almost came true can become true unless we prevent that from happening. I'm going to invite you to follow me on uh, YouTube or to subscribe to my YouTube channel, to follow me on Twitter, to follow me on Facebook. Because every time we start this program, you will receive an invite that will contain a link that you can click on so that you can watch this program. And in all fairness, if you are a patriot, and I mean patriot in the strictest sense of the word, not as used by the rioters in Washington. No, not that kind. I'm talking about patriot, people who actually love the Constitution of the United States, people who would fight for the Constitution of the United States, people who value the Constitution of the United States, not people who try to destroy it. So, if you are a patriot, if you are concerned about the future of the country, I invite you to follow me, to subscribe to my YouTube channel, so that you can receive this invite, because this program that we are having now, we have this program every day, or at least we try to, but you don't have to worry about that. If you subscribe, if you follow us, every time we start the program, you will receive an invite that will tell you that the program is about to start. And as such, you can watch with us. And of course, your comments, your criticism, your suggestion will be more than necessary for us to improve in what we're doing here. So don't go anywhere. We will come back to discuss with you this important topic that U.S., the United States of America, came really that close to become a dictatorship. And we'll show you why you, as a patriot, should make sure that never happened when we return. In 1996, a small network by the name of Fox News was launched with just 17 million viewers. Today, with over 100 million people watching regularly, Fox has become the greatest threat to our democracy. Constantly bombarding the airwaves with false information, distortion of facts, and outright lies presented to its audience as news, Fox has created an army of blissful ignorance. 
According to a survey, 82% of Fox viewers are ignorant of facts and the truth. To keep millions of people in ignorance not only prevents democracy from flourishing, but it also clears the path to authoritarianism, to dictatorship. Martin Luther King Jr. said, nothing in all the world is more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. Let me finish by saying that democracy cannot survive in an environment where truth and facts do not matter. At Fox, truth and facts do not matter. Indeed, democracy in America is in jeopardy. It is a crisis the country can no longer ignore. Once again, welcome to Sousa, the place for common sense. Yes, it sounds like a nightmare for anyone to say that the United States of America came very close to become a dictatorship. Most people who hear that, especially those on the Republican side, tend to think that it's exaggerated. Because those people, you know, those damn liberal, they're always talking gibberish. As I promised, I will be showing you shortly how close we came to become a dictatorship. But first, let's understand what that means. For those of you who are too young to grasp the concept, of course you understand you, the meaning of the word dictatorship. You know what that means. But if you never live in a country run by a dictator, you simply have an idea, but you cannot really grasp the misery of those people who live under that con those conditions. For instance, North Korea, which is one of the examples that pretty much most everyone in the world would know about. The people who live in North Korea live under a dictatorship and authoritarian. Every single move that they make is monitored. What they say, what they talk about, places they go, the length of time that they stayed at the place, and so on and so forth. All that make the lies of citizen living under those conditions unbearable. So of course, if you know all that, you may ask yourself the question, how could that possibly be that we would have something like that in the United States of America? You see, in 1933, 
A gentleman by the name of Adolf Hitler was appointed Chancellor of Germany. At that time, Germany was known as the Weimar Republic. It was a democracy just like the United States of America. It has Reichstag and Reichsrat. Those are equivalent to the Senate and Congress in the United States of America. Adolf Hitler used all the resources under that system of democracy in order to acquire as much power as necessary in order for him to become a dictator. For those of you who have watched this program before, you heard me saying that when the Nazis suggested to Adolf Hitler to overthrow the German government, Adolf Hitler categorically refused to participate. I know a lot of people who read or heard a story about Adolf Hitler thought, well, the guy was a dictator, what do you expect? Adolf Hitler did not start out as a dictator, but instead he was legitimately appointed Chancellor of Germany. Notwithstanding the collaboration by Russia to get Donald Trump elected, Mr. Trump was legitimately elected President of the United States. So Adolf Hitler did not go out of the way of dismantling what was in the Weimar Republic Constitution, but rather used that in order for him to acquire more and more power. Without telling you the whole story again, because we had more than eight episodes of talking about Adolf Hitler from the time he was born to the time uh, to World War II, and of course his demise, we presented to you a full view of what the dictator was about, how he came to become a dictator, how he evolved into a, the dictatorship. So, Here's the most important thing to take out of what I just said. And we will come back to talk about how close the U.S. came to become a dictatorship. When Adolf Hitler, as Chancellor of Germany, decided to part ways, logically speaking, with the Nazis because he did not want to go and do what they wanted to do because when Adolf Hitler was became Chancellor of Germany, they thought, oh, perfect opportunity for you to continue and finish the job. And I want you to pay close attention because many people misunderstand how dictatorship comes about. They think it's someone who is from outside overthrow a government and then become a dictator. 
Yes, that can happen too, because a lot of smaller countries have found themselves uh, uh, having a, a leader uh, running the country after overthrowing a government. Yes, that happened as well. But I took the example of Germany because it is what most resemble what happened in the United States and what almost happened in the United States. So when the Nazis, the leaders, of course, suggested to Adolf Hitler that, well, now you're in a good position to do what we wanted to do in the first place. Now, if you were living in that time, meaning you were contemporaneous to that predicament that I'm explaining to you, to history, and you were writing about Adolf Hitler at the time, I guarantee you, you would have written really very great piece about Adolf Hitler. You would have said how good of a leader he is, how much he's trying to part ways with the Nazi, how much he's trying to make sure that the government is run as a democratic government. Because at that time, when the Nazis were, were trying to push him, to do the wrong thing, he chose to do the right thing. Of course, Adolf Hitler had a plan. The plan that they offered to him, he didn't like it because it would be bloody. It would involve uh, really getting into fight. And of course, as being a soldier himself, he knows when you fight, they're going to have to be a losing party. And there is no way for him to tell whether he was going to be on the winning side or on the losing side. So Adolf Hitler chose not to go along with the suggestion by the Nazis. So instead, he took what you would call the proper route, the democratic route. If you do not pay consideration, if you do not take a look at history, you are condemned to repeat those mistakes. History is not written for us to simply say, it happened. History is written so that we can learn from what happened so that we don't repeat the mistakes of the past. And it seems in the United States of America, those individuals who are leaders, they seem to be completely oblivious of history and they act in ways that would put the United States in position, in fact, that has put the United States in position that we were that close to repeat the mistakes of the past. So to make the story of Germany shorter, Adolf Hitler used what is, was available to him 
in the Weimar, in the constitution of the Weimar Republic, and used that to his advantage. He acquired power and got both Reichstag and Reichsrat to give him more power, to sign up for more power for him, in order for him to attend to the affairs of the country. That's how he got them to give him more power, because he wasn't trying to get it for himself. He was trying to get those powers so that he doesn't get bogged down in red tape so that he can act fast enough to do what's good for Germany. And the Reichstag and the Reichsrat just gave him more power. In fact, they gave Adolf Hitler plenary power. Put differently, he could do anything he wanted for a period of time without being questioned by anyone in the country. Meaning, literally, Adolf Hitler can command the people under him to go and wipe a whole neighborhood for no reason, and no one could come to him and say, why did you do that? Because they gave him plenary power for a period of four years. And that was given to him by Reichstag and Reichsrat in consultation with those people who were guardian of the Constitution. Adolf Hitler did not overthrow the German government did not go outside, he went directly to the people whose job it's a safeguard to protect the constitution of Germany at that time. The rest is history. He became a dictator, and he killed not just his enemies, he killed those who questioned his authority, even those people on the Re uh, in the Reichstag and Reichsrat, they became useless because from that point forward, even after the expiration date of his power, the plenary power, by then Adolf Hitler had already consolidated power. They could not take that away from him. That's how dictatorship works. You pretend to go along with what? the Constitution say, you pretend to go along with what the law say, you pretend to want to do things for the sake of the people, and once you grasp and grab enough power, then you make sure no one can tell you what to do. And that's how the, the world end up having an individual like Adolf Hitler. And you know the irony of the whole thing? Until the time that Adolf Hitler got plenary power, he abhorred by the Constitution of Germany. Here in the United States, ironically, the individual, the individual that caused the greatest damage to the country never once abhorred by the US Constitution. And yet, the people who surrounded him, the 
Republican legislature, the Republican congressmen and congresswomen, they all just gave him power to do whatever he wanted. So if we want to compare apple to apple, you would say before Adolf Hitler became a dictator, Adolf Hitler was a better man than the guy we had the past four years. Because at the very least, he abode by the Constitution. We never had that, not that luxury, not in the United States of America. But hang on tight, because we're going to show you how close we came to become a dictatorship in the United States of America. After reading several books based on presidents and on Obama specifically, I found that they're typically partisan. The Obama legacy targets the heart of the issue by giving credit to the president where it's due, but definitely coming down hard on Obama on his bigger failures, like his handling of the Syrian crisis. If you are in college, going to college, you are an educator, a faculty member, or someone with interest in government or politics, the Obama Legacy is definitely a book to read. My professor recommended The Obama Legacy. A friend actually recommended The Obama Legacy. I would highly recommend this book for anyone, whether for academic use or leisure reading. I would recommend this book to anyone out there searching for an impartial and unbiased look into Barack Obama's tenure as president. I would definitely recommend this book as a good read for both liberals and conservatives. If you just join us, my name is Mike Duchenne. We are talking about uh, an important topic that should be of uh, great interest to us. Uh, that is how the United States of America came so close to become a dictatorship. Now, that sounds like something uh, really, if you Think about it, almost like if you're watching a movie, because there is no way in the world that that can happen in America. One of the, uh, the hallmark of uh, the Hitler era, and that's something uh, not only that he said over and over, he repeated it to the point that he wanted everyone around him to adopt this type of uh, um, this type of uh, mindset if you tell a big enough lie and tell it frequently enough it will be believed now if I didn't put tell you that other people say that you probably would have thought that I was talking about the individual who occupied the Oval Office for years just a few months ago 
well, a few weeks ago. Because he spent the past four years only lying to the American people. He never opened his mouth and said anything that's true. And that was Adolf Hitler's mantra. If you tell a big enough lie and tell it frequently enough, it will be believed. And everyone around him, people close to him, made it a point to make sure that it trickled all the way down. That people who work for his government, members of the Nazi, they say the same thing over and over and over until it feels like it's the truth. And we saw how that impact our lives. I mentioned yesterday is intentional lying to harm freedom of speech because here in America we have this obsession that freedom of speech is the cornerstone of that that's in the Constitution. It is one of, it is the first, the very first, very first aspect of the Constitution. Freedom of speech. We should have the freedom to say whatever we want. But in reality, that is not something that should be extended to public official. Because as a public official, the freedom of speech, especially when what you have to say is something that's going to hurt people, that's going to harm people, those individuals cannot possibly fall under the same umbrella as the rest of us. Like, well, they can say anything they want because they have the freedom of speech. As a public official, you work for the taxpayers. Meaning, you're supposed to say things that benefit us, the taxpayers. You're supposed to do things that benefit us, not harm us. So this is something that we have to explore because obviously we saw what lying to people have done to the nation. On January 6th, we watched in our in horror in Disney how lying to the public what it has done to the nation. It's not good. Lying never ever have a good outcome. I mentioned before here in this program that my father used to punish whoever would lie about something that happened. As kids, if we did something wrong, we might want to come clean. Because if we try to cover it up 
and my father find, found out, then whoever lie would be punished more harshly. As such, we grew up in an environment where we resent people who lie. Those are disgusting people. They lie for no reason. In the past four years, that's what we had in the Oval Office. Someone who is incapable of saying what's true. But that's something we could have shrugged off, except for one problem. The lies plunged the country in a predicament that had made the United States a mockery in the world. Even worse, jeopardized the most important aspect of the country, our freedom. So as such, the question that we ought to figure out and debate is intentional lying to harm freedom of speech? We'll come back to that eventually, but let's move on with the subject at hand. I just published an article, which you can find on the peoplebranch.org, and I asked the question, can God save America from GOP leaders? It is not a joke, and I don't mean that as a joke. I studied the article the following way. It is now a pastime for Republicans in general, Republican leaders in particular, to screw America. It comes so naturally to most Republicans that it has become an integral part of their core values. Now, think about that for a moment. They don't have to think about it, anything. They just do it so naturally. You listen to any Republican congressman or senator, you would think that those people work for some cabal uh, 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 underground societies. Not for the United States of America. Because the way that they treat the country is what happened to the country doesn't matter. We have been writing about Republican leaders for quite some time now. And in the past, we used to be considered as, you know, that damn liberal. Because every time we point out that the Republican legislators they doing things that detrimental to the United States of America. Ah, it's a damn liberal. They're always talking gibberish. Before this article that you see, I published two articles previously that 
provide the same sort of information and ideas about how the Republican leaders are working to destroy America. And I don't mean that uh, uh, lightly. I mean it literally. That the Republican leaders, every action that they take, every decision that they make, every word that comes out of their mouth is not for the well-being of the United States of America. In fact, they have become so good at deceiving people in the corner, the Republicans, they are so good at doing that, they, they think that it's just a matter of time that they can convince the rest of the country that the Machiavellian's action are okay. They spent four years lying to the American people despite the fact that we have evidence what they're saying is false. They continue to peddle those same lies up to the point that the country found itself in a predicament where our very freedom is in jeopardy. Yes, the Republican leaders, yes, this is not gibberish. The Republican leaders have been screwing America. They're not doing it because they don't know. They're not doing it because they're making a mistake. They are doing that deliberately. The well-being of America is not their priority. And that's something I've been saying for so long that I feel like a broken record now. Republican leaders, action that they take, words that come out of their mouth, is to protect whatever Machiavellian action that they make, they take, and they rely on the ignorance and the gullibility of the supporters in order for them to continue to have a job. But what is at stake now is what I mentioned earlier, how close the United States of America came to become a dictatorship. Now, imagine that the individuals whose job is to defend and protect the Constitution of the United States, imagine that that individual is the one who tried to destroy it. Now, when I first published this article, the first president to attempt a coup in the United States, that expression was yet to be used by the rest of the media, because they were afraid of saying the obvious. As I mentioned time and again, what we talk about here, we always way ahead of the curve. We mentioned maybe so many times here that we were the first one here in this program to mention that that individual, that crook, will not be reelected, And that's something we said in 2019. Yes, you heard correctly. January of 2019 was the first time that we said and published article that said that crook will not be reelected. And since we have written more than a, than a dozen articles 
making the case as to why we believe that's not going to happen. So when we use the expression, the first president to attempt a coup in the United States, that expression was being avoided by, you know, people in the media because, gee, that's a loaded expression to say. But the action say exactly what it did. And that's one of the problems that we have in the United States, that people in the media refuse to call the devil by its name. Dancing around the issue and such, their audience are not aware of the fact that something is going wrong because they're trying to sugarcoat the problem. But here, you can rest assured, there will be no sugarcoating. So we told you a couple of weeks prior to the rest of the media adopting that, oh yeah, that was a coup, an attempt of a coup. Now imagine the following. Imagine the following nightmare. You take a newspaper, no matter which newspaper you take, no matter where you are in the world, you see in big, bold, letter, headline, the United States now is a dictatorship. Imagine that scenario for a moment. That sounds like a script in a movie. And most of us living in, in a bubble, not realizing how much damage was done in the background that almost made that the case. Today you're hearing about impeachment. Impeachment for the previous occupant in the Oval Office causing or inciting insurrection in the United States. Per the Constitution of the United States, it's a crime. But imagine that nightmare. The United States of America is now a dictatorship. And the nightmare would not just be for us here in the United States, it would be for the whole world. You are very familiar with how the United States always worry about countries such as Iran, uh, Pakistan, India, with nuclear weapons. Because we do not feel comfortable with a dictator having those kind of weapons at his disposal. Imagine the United States of America, a dictatorship with all those weapons, all those arsenal at its disposal. Imagine that for a moment. It's a nightmare. But listen to this for a moment. That nightmare? that I just mentioned to you? That nightmare 
almost came very close to happen. You see on your screen, we have 12 senators who went to Washington on January 6th to prevent the certification of Joe Biden as the President of the United States. We had 147 Republican congressmen and women who were gathered in the lower chamber also to prevent the certification of Joe Biden as President of the United States. Now, you may not understand the severity, the criticality of that. More than half of Republicans in Washington, in the lower chamber, did not have any problem preventing the legitimate individual who won the election to occupy the Oval Office. And in the Senate, 12 senators decide we're going to prevent that from happening as well. That wasn't politics. That was sedition. That was insurrection. That was unconstitutional. That was unpatriotic. That we have members of both legislative body, Republican, who wanted to prevent the duly elected individual from taking office. I just explained to you, I just explained to you how Adolf Hitler acquired plenary power. He could not do it by himself. He could not do that by himself. He needed Reichstag and Reichsrat, the Congress and the Senate. We had 147 Republican congressmen who had no qualm preventing the Constitution of the United States of America from being applied to the outcome of the election. And in the Senate, we had 12 senators who said, we're going to do the same thing. Now we may sit in our living room thinking, oh, well, it didn't happen. It was avoided. In case you don't know or you your memory uh, is already fading, on January 6th, thousands of people descending into Washington with the intention of making exactly that happen. While those people were holed up in the house preventing the actual ceremony of transferring, certifying the election to happen. Now, we had thousands of people outside causing chaos, coming with guns, and making sure that they kill people who don't want to comply in order to make exactly that happen. So you think that was a joke? 
It did not happen. And that's supposed to make people feel good. Those 147 Republicans and 12 senators, those people are not patriot. They wanted the United States of America to plunge into a dictatorship. Now, let me give you something for you to think about. Those individuals, they took an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, each and every one of them. Those are the same people who had no qualm whatsoever, despite evidence that there was no fraud after the individual they tried to keep in the Oval Office exhausted all legal remedy, unable to provide a single shred of evidence of voter fraud, those senators and congressmen decided, we don't care about that. Who cares about the Constitution of the United States? We just want to do away with the Constitution and make sure that individual stay in the Oval Office. When I tell you that the United States of America came very close to become a dictatorship. That's not just a statement. While those fools were in the house trying to make that happen through their means, outside there were throngs of mobs trying to force the issue. And we're learning that the Secretary of State was going to be the, the Attorney General, rather, of the state of Georgia, was going to be fired and replaced by someone who would make all the stories about voters fraud in Florida, in, in Georgia. Now, imagine for one moment, because you may not see how, how close we came to that problem? Imagine for just one moment, you take any one of those congressmen, Republican congressmen and senators, imagine for one moment, it is one of them that was the Attorney General in Georgia. Imagine it was one of them that was the Attorney General in Arizona. Imagine it was one of them that was the Attorney General in the state of Pennsylvania. Imagine that for just one moment. When we say that it didn't happen as if, well, the Constitution survived. The Constitution survived because the people, the Republican representative in each one of those states that I just mentioned to you happened to continue to be patriot. But imagine it was one of those crooks, Republican crooks in Washington. Imagine that just for just one moment. It was one of those crooks in Washington who was Attorney General of any of the states. People who took an oath to protect 
and defend the Constitution of the United States. So if you are an American citizen and you are voting for any of those people, consider yourself part of the problem. Because those people, they did not do anything for the sake of the United States of America. They did not do anything to abide by the Constitution of the United States. In fact, they did everything to destroy the very letter of the Constitution. So if you vote for those people and you continue to vote for them, you are part of the problem. You're not a patriot. And there is no argument you can bring for pretending there was voter fraud. Oh my God, there, there was so much voter fraud, that's why you didn't win. No, there, there, there is none. The individual who occupied the Oval Office used all the resources of the presidency and could not bring a single shred of evidence. So if you continue to peddle that that nonsense to make yourself feel good consider yourself part of the problem in the United States of America because those individuals that are your leaders they do not love the uh, America they try everything possible to destroy it you have people like Ted Cruz you have people like Marco Rubio, you have people like Josh Hawley, those people want to become president, and yet they among the people who are working to destroy the very aspect of our Constitution. Which means they're okay with those kind of things. So what do you think would happen the next time we have something like that? Look at how many Republican congressmen how many Republican congressmen who gathered in Washington on January 6th to prevent the vote from being certified? 147. We're not talking about just a, a handful. 147 Republican congressmen gathered in Washington to prevent vote from being certified. Not because they have any proof. Not because they have any evidence, but because they are against the Constitution of the United States of America. The United States of America came that close to become a dictatorship. That's not gibberish. And it is time that the rest of you who understand the predicament the country is in, we take steps to rid the country of those people because they are not for the United States of America. There is no reason to be afraid to say that because anyone who works against the Constitution of the United States cannot pretend to love the United States of America because the cornerstone of our democracy of our freedom is the Constitution. And those people in front of you, they work against the Constitution of the United States. It's time we recognize those people are enemies of the country. And that's not a word that I say lightly. 
because they are working against the well-being of our democracy. We're not, we're not just saying that for the sake of saying it. We have the proof that they work against the Constitution of the United States. And those people should be tagged and mentioned on a regular basis so that everybody can know that those people work against the interests of the United States of America. Join me tomorrow because we will continue this conversation. We will dress the list of names to show you. And we will continue to do that on a regular basis so that it can stay in the forefront of your mind that those people, they do not work for the well-being of the United States of America. They do not have any problem destroying the Constitution of the United States. They do not give a damn about the oath that they took because to them, that was a joke. And they're willing to destroy America as long as they think they can keep their job. And the one poor people that guarantees those people their job is you. You, the supporters. You, the Republican constituent. You are the one that encourage those people to continue to undermine the Constitution of the United States because you continue to vote them in office. You continue to make them feel good about them destroying the Constitution of the United States. I hope you have a fantastic afternoon and you can join me again next time. And don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Don't forget to follow me on, you, on, 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 on Facebook, to follow me on Twitter, because you don't want to miss what we will be talking about tomorrow. In the meantime, I hope you have a fantastic afternoon or evening, whichever it happened to be. My name is Mike Duchenne, and this is Luza. Good day. That was an update. Through the prison of Anelfer. Join us again tomorrow at 11 a.m. for a full presentation. I am MD, host of the Suzo program, the place for common sense. Let us comment, criticism, suggestion, or simply let us know how we do it. Thank you for watching. Have a wonderful afternoon. Get up, I get down, and I'm jumping around in the rumpus and rock. It's so comfortable now. Been a hell of a ride, but I'm thinking it's time to grow. So I got an apartment across from the park. Cooking wah in my fridge, still I'm not feeling great. Been a hell of a ride, but I'm thinking it's time to go. Here we go. Our podcast is brought to you in collaboration with the People Branch publication, which can be found 
on the People Branch website, located at peoplebranch.org. That's P-E-O-P-L-E-B-R-A-N-C-H.org. That's peoplebranch.org website, in which you will find a number of very interesting articles. My name is Mike Duchenne, MD for short. I hope you have a great afternoon or a great evening, whichever it happens to be. Hopefully, you can join me again next time for another interesting episode of this podcast. That, that was Suza, live from New York. Good day. Good day.